Blog Talk Radio. Frontier Beyond Fear live broadcast and podcast. I am Susan Larison Dance, and today is Saturday, April 1st, 2023. And welcome to new listeners. I did expand to some degree um, the podcasting, and um, this program is now also on Spotify in addition to some of the other syndicates and I think a couple of others too. Kind of, um, I'd have to go back. I know the biggest one is Spotify, and um, and I'm already on. Um, those of you listening on iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, um, and of course on Blog Talk Radio itself, the home platform for this show for over a decade. Um, let me in, reintroduce myself very briefly for the new listeners who are coming on board here. Um, I know you're listening in the podcast most likely. Um, some may be listening live. I did something new today. I am actually evaluating the chat feature um, on Blog Talk Radio um, to see how that works, see how many things I can manage at once. <laughs> So if I don't keep up, if someone types in there and I don't respond, um, it's just because I'm going to be focused on a number of things today. But I am taking a look at how that's working as well. And so far, so good. Um, those of you who are listening, it was in a mode while I was away from the computer where you couldn't type for a little while. And I took me a while to get that re-enabled, but it's all, it should be in a, in a state where you can type there, um, of course, um, in an appropriate way, um, as always, with any chat. So just a little bit about me, for those of you who are just discovering this podcast. Um, this show actually arose out of other writing I was doing um, many years ago on various discussion forums um, as under the um, pseudonym Bridge Builder. And in those days, you didn't use your name. In fact, you weren't even allowed to use your name. And that led to a lot of free discussion. These were typically moderated forums, um, some more so than others, and the most prominent discussion forum that I was involved in was the Oprah Spirituality and Religion Forum, which no longer exists, unfortunately. And literally, many of us wrote pages and pages and pages on that forum. 
And that was one of the most amazing parts of my life, although I've actually had multiple times in my life when I've been amazed, and that is part of the spiritual path, by the way, um, and part of just how much we are loved, because that's what this show is about today, how to understand and trust and be reassured by love from the divine. And in fact, in those days, I wrote a lot about that. I was still continuing to mature in my spiritual path as well. Um, I had had a rather dramatic awakening um, many years before that. Now we're looking at, um, actually, as of this year, I mean, when the, the catalyst for that is now more than 20 years because I faced um, basically my own mortality and then I started asking the questions that I wanted to know. I wanted to be shown the way. And I had some spiritual background and curiosity before that. I have walked multiple spiritual paths in my life. Um, I am the granddaughter of an evangelical minister who had his own um, church in um, the New York area um, years and years and years ago. I never actually much interacted with him, but the influence was felt in our family, and um, healings took place in that um, setting. And a whole part of the family came in to that church because of a very dramatic healing and the, the sorts of things that were going on there. Um, I am not um, myself. Um, I'm not carrying on the tradition, so to speak, but I will say I have witnessed multiple healings under multiple spiritual paths because um, um, now my path is rather undefinable. I am also a scientist. I am not a materialist. You will often hear in this program how I will talk about materialism, which is a school of science which only looks at the material and doesn't either have the funding or the courage or both to explore the broader um, spiritual setting in which we live. And spirituality is actually no different than any other form of truth. Anything, it can be looked at just like anything else. But I also do not um, reduce spirituality to just a series of scientific laws. I feel that we have lost our way. You will often hear me say that, that um, in the old days, those who were scientists also had a spiritual life. And they no doubt observed very unusual things because it's real. Anyone who would like to have the reality of spirituality revealed to you, all you need to do is ask. But hold on to your hat because you may not know what you're in for. <laughs> you will see things that are just so impossible, things that you can verify, um, things that will happen that you just can't explain. And it becomes so statistically improbable what materialists may conclude if they strictly hold to that um, really a form of belief um, is that, oh, well, it must be some kind of higher beings technological um, simulation. 
that that is a way of 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 getting around um, spirituality if you choose to be a strict materialist. But oh my goodness, to let those doors down, to open the windows to the incredible experience that we can have on the spiritual plane, just in everyday life. You don't have to um, go anywhere. You don't have to have some out-of-body experience. I mean, all kinds of things can happen in the spiritual realm, and miracles do occur, things that cannot be explained. So, yes, I have the scientific background. I have a math degree as an undergraduate. I was a very dedicated student, did extremely well in school. I sometimes... Um, think back to that time and if I ever come across a paper that I wrote and I I mean it's just so I mean so precise Um, and I also was involved in the early days of um, computer science when it was really getting active I mean the actual early days were before I was born but um, and eventually and my undergrad involved that as well through mathematics and I became a computer scientist. In the last show, I said I didn't do groundbreaking things or leading edge. That's actually not true. That's belittling um, that part of my life because I actually did do some really interesting foundational work. Um, One bit that I can think of as an intern that I I really feel was foundational was in, um, unfortunately, given the way it's gone, and we may talk about this today a little bit more, although there really will be a show dedicated to this at some point, in artificial intelligence, because I was very um, engaged with the humanities. I actually started out at a school where I would have pursued the humanities. I would have been a writer. I've always been a writer. I haven't always been a spontaneous speaker like this, but I would often read what I wrote, and I would speak in that way. Um, And um, that led me to doing some work in natural language interface in AI. These um, chat programs, you say, I mean, they're all based on that in the early days and one of the things I was asked to do as an intern one summer was model the entire world in English because we were working in English at the time. You weren't even thinking about other languages yet. Um, How would you model the world? And only just last week I realized, you know, this was really pretty dramatic because it's still considered apparently unusual that I ended up at the university library studying linguistics because the way to understand the world, and I can't say exactly, it was so many years ago, um, I'm sure there must have been some kind of material that led me to do that, but I spent a lot of time in linguistics books looking at how they um, classify and break down language and concepts so that you could somehow um, encode that in a model that um, would encompass everything and could grow. So that was something that was very leading edge. Later, I went to graduate school um, 
And actually, you know, in my career, I've often been from the very beginning a project lead. I say I'm not a guru. That's because I know what a guru can be like. Um, And I really don't view myself a computer science guru. But I think where I had a strength was how I incorporated humanities with computer science, which unfortunately is not done enough. And I became very interested in human-computer interaction in graduate school where I went um, through a huge series of um, what I would have to say looking back now are synchronicities because I never thought I would be good enough. See, this actually relates to this topic today, how we we don't trust enough, we're not assured enough, we doubt. It's part of the vulnerability of the human condition to go to the school that was the birth place of computer science, the University of Illinois, and literally down the hall, um, they were creating what became really the first web browser for anyone to really use, and they were developing things that totally changed the world. And a story I have often told is that I had an opportunity to work on that project, but I didn't know what it was, and because it had the word net in it, I shied away from it because I hated the nuts and bolts networking kind of stuff. That was so dry. That was so boring. No one explained the project to me. Um, It would have been, you know, really starting out. I knew people on that project. There were multiple people on that project. Um, I was one of very few women in computer science at the time. Um, and um, there was a woman that I knew, I was friends with, who worked on that project and, you know, just totally lost to history how that project came about. Um, So, and then later in life, um, not much later, um, I talked about this in the last show. In fact, I'm going to do another clarification. I chose to be a stay-at-home mom because I was called home due to um, the needs of my child at the time, who who really had um, you know some healthish very extremely bright individual and doing very well now, but um, I needed to be home and because you know there was such significant uh, a real um, parenting in this case was not just a walk in the park. Um, and it was a full-time, almost a full-time job, although I ended up working part-time and doing a lot of volunteer work, too. Um, and just for both of our well-being, um, one thing I didn't say, and this is an interesting thing in the last episode, was I said when I became pregnant, I signed up immediately for the on-site daycare where I worked, which was a very um, cushy software company. I later worked on the executive floor on that company for a time doing my dream job. Truthfully, I was not a VP or anything like that, but I had an influence over communications. I was doing everything I ever wanted, and that was a cool way to bring that particular career to its ultimate um, whatever I might have dreamed it could be. But that happened later. Um, at that, as there came a point where, yes, I signed up for the on-site daycare, which is technically in a different building on this beautiful campus with lakes and trees. I mean, just the most beautiful place. Everyone had their own office that in those days, and they're going back to this, which I find so humorous. The open office plan, that's a horrible way to work. You get no privacy. It's not really respecting of the individual. In fact, that's going to relate to this topic too today. Just bear with me. We will get there. Um, so 
But what I wanted to say was it was a year, almost a year after the child was born that I had to wait. Not a year from getting pregnant, a year from knowing you're pregnant. Well, that doesn't sound like that long of a wait, right? Oh, no. There were no slots open until almost very close, within days, literally, of a year of the child being born. That's how long in those days I needed to wait. Well, that was spirit because I needed to see. I never knew I had it in me um, because I was the youngest in a family. I really hadn't interacted with a lot of children or big. I mean, I was so new. I mean, I had nephews out of state, you know, I mean, I just, I had to learn everything. And then I had, you know, a child that really needed me um, for several reasons. So, and I needed to be there too. So that was a time of tremendous transformation and realizing that this human experience is so many things. It can be our work. I haven't given up on my work. I never did. I always kept it active. In fact, over the years, how did I come to work on the executive floor? Well, I started taking on volunteer leadership positions in the school. I eventually became, at that time, um, it was a PTO, similar to a PTA president. So I was literally leading a nonprofit because that's how those are structured. I reluctantly took it on. The president was leaving. She was moving. She asked me to do it. Um, I wasn't really speaking a lot back then, um, and that actually helped me, I think, with my speaking, although I have certainly spoken and led meetings and things. That's a little bit unfair. But um, speaking like this took time, and that probably wasn't even enough there. Later, um, I mean, I led other things, a book fair, and and then I eventually became um very involved with a large community festival, was very active in my community, and the same thing, the president um, needed someone to take on the presidency, and I did um, at the time. But in between there, yes, I did work in a leadership role in um, that same corporation, and it was a smaller software company, but very um, it did a lot of things, um, very influential. So it was really unfair for me to um, downplay things that um, I have had a tendency without, and often reluctantly, if you want to know the truth, to be in some situation where new things are happening. And my thesis work um, was very, that um, was all in an AI language. It was quite leading edge at the time. Um, I wouldn't call it super, it was, I still won't call it a guru thing. It really wasn't. Um, but it was unusual, and it was at a demanding school. And, um, and yes, things went well in that domain. But I always had doubts. This is going to relate. Bear with me. It's going to relate to the topic today. I'm just wanting to reintroduce myself. Yes, I had a powerful spiritual experience. I have had, um, I, I awakened rather dramatically, but then it settled down. My spiritual experience now, I mean, rather rapidly it did. 
um, although sometimes it didn't seem that way. But really, there were flashes of insight even then. And then um, what we all must learn on the spiritual path um, is grounding. And for me, my spiritual path now, there are many meaningful coincidences that, you know, you they are scientific. You can see um, they are just so, they aren't things that you just imagine or this is real. The concept of synchronicity is real. And it can often lead to discoveries. I do engage in other research, which I won't talk about now, related to the spiritual realm. I expect that to grow. And um, what else can I say? Oh, well, nature is an incredibly important aspect of my path. And just if you want to just have a daily, daily relationship with the omnipresent divine, um, just getting out for a walk in nature is a wonderful thing. Um, so I'm summarizing. I'm sure I'm leaving things out, but I do want to get to the topic today. Um, so the topic today, I'm glad I set the show today to be a little bit longer. I did that because I would be testing this chat, and I know someone was over there, but it was in kind of an admin mode. Yeah, see, now it's really, I don't even know if you can, let, let's just, um, I'm just going to type a message, make sure it's still working, because I am testing this also for a friend who um, had asked me to test it today. So, and it's worth looking at. I usually won't do it because it's very difficult to speak solo and look at the chat. <laughs> it's very hard and run the show because um, today, what I want to talk about is just as in those Oprah days, what was happening on that forum, people were finding the bridge. That's why I was bridge builder. That's why I chose that name, although I had chosen it earlier in a different forum. Um, how do we have honest discussions with one another? And far too often, in fact, as I was walking Today, I did walk. I often walk before this program, and um, I was thinking about how you hear so much of a dichotomy of division. You know, there's this or there's that. And without acknowledging that there is an entire spectrum in between, there are far, far edges, and then there's a whole spectrum in between. And in that in between place, that's where we find the love and acceptance and the conversations and the honesty and the authenticity. When you are loved truly, what about that? You know, loved truly came up for me um, recently in this past week. That exact, I won't even get into how. It was kind of a, a rather surprising, miraculous thing and oddly technically but I, I don't need to get into how, but the, the, it came up. Loved truly. Loved truly. Those words, they contain both vulnerability and assurance. It's where we say, you can almost hear the question, am I loved truly? Are we loved truly? Truly authentically, truly, absolutely, unconditionally.
unconditionally. So there is a question and an assurance. Yes, we are loved truly, truly, without exception. We are inseparable from unconditional love. Inseparable. There are a couple of other things I want to say before. I am going to talk some today about 1 Corinthians 13. I may do more next week. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Next week, I have a feeling the show may be about awakening. Um, I never know what the topic's going to be until right before. Today, I almost did AI because people, in fact, let's talk about that very briefly. Um, A number of executives said that there should be a six-month pause on AI because it's like barreling ahead like a runaway train. And that is worthy of another episode. We live in a very stark world, but one of the things we don't realize, in fact, I seriously was tempted. There are things I've researched that if I put them into the chat program and into its net, it It could observe it, too. I mean, you cannot explain some of these things that are being studied in the spiritual world. So it's actually rather tempting. I haven't even worked. Despite my early work in that area, um, I really have not had an inclination. I've been disappointed in how um, AI has developed. I have doubts about technology in general. I think there's a lot of evidence, despite our being here now and needing to use it, um, we wouldn't have this show if not for technology, obviously. Um, I think there is a lot of evidence, also something about me. I believe that if you honestly look, um, that industrialization um, may be the undoing. It's you either wake up and transcend or you, you know, you can easily end your entire civilization once um, that becomes a runaway train. And given the way this world has always been in survival mode, I was thinking about so many things today. I was thinking about the Roman Empire and how it would impose. Now, interestingly enough, it didn't impose. It tried to keep cultural traditions alive, but it did impose a kind of uniformity. And I was thinking about how that relates to our world today, how even as simple as, um, you know, in any given place, you might find a particular fast food establishment, although they are fading from some parts of the world and probably I never made it there, and how we seem to value this, just like the Roman Empire did, and that we do it saying, well, we're improving things, maybe not fast food, but um, that these things that are brought to you are improving your life. And how arrogant, really, because I think what we're beginning to find out is that if a world lacks emotional and spiritual or really any kind of maturity, if it lacks both classic IQ and EQ and SQ, if you want to talk about spiritual quotients, when we're lacking in that, where we don't value Um, true logic, true honesty, true ethics, true compassion, through just so many things, when lies are elevated above um, 
anything true um, so often, far too often. Um, and when there is lacking maturity, there is actually tremendous danger in any world that tries to um, have that all coming from one source, for example, because that source could be corrupt. And so a safer world is actually based on community. Now, that means that they're going to be wide-ranging. Whether I'll get to 1 Corinthians 13 today, I don't know. We'll see, because this is going where it's going today. Um, I may continue that next week. We'll see. I've covered it before, but I've got new listeners, so I really want to to share how important that passage is. It, it touches multiple spiritual paths. Um, it has a lot to say about unconditional love. But we need to really be thinking about community. We need to be thinking about the assumptions that we make um, that, um, you know, there so many cultural traditions have been lost. So many cultural traditions have been lost. And the progress that we could have been making spiritually all these years, that has been lost too in many ways. I mean, it can't ever be totally lost. But And just this tendency we've had ever since the beginning, if you look at history, of one group dominating another. Well, communities don't work very well together if they're doing that. That is true. Um, so how do we deal with the imperfections? But if we're looking at an ideal, especially in the midst of some real dysfunction, um, you know, those who do not care about our well-being, um, you do start to look more at if, if you lack the maturity to have that kind of coordination, um, that can lead to utter devastation, um, that the ideal is actually diversity, diversity of people, diversity of thought, diversity of places, communities, and that other planets may have come to this conclusion too. How many times do we assume some other, like you talk theoretically about some alien race, that they're, they're somehow all the same on some planet? Well, you don't know that. Why would you assume that? They could have people on their planet or beings on their planet who are totally different. Maybe, although if one is technological, that could be a problem. Um, because they tend to dominate. Where did we get the idea about how we have to keep going out and taking more land, more land, more land? If we run out here, we go to another planet. We spread, we spread, we spread. Where did that come from? Where did that come from? Why? Why not just in spirituality where we ourselves can work in a quiet space developing our own spiritual path why do we all have to look at my career? I still have ambitions. In fact, I think more things are about to happen with what I'm doing related to spirituality and um, logic, how the two meet. Um, I love to say science, but far too often that's materialism. They're not the same. True science, yes. True observation. True observation. True exploration, true research. 
that we truly keep looking at me on the page. It's so important in many ways. And if we love our planet and all of ourselves truly, we will have the maturity and the discipline to start looking at things in a new way. Because we have lacked and ignored our own personal spiritual development and just raced ahead. And look where that's gotten us. One culture dominating another. One land invading another. When it was community, it was just, you know, one person dominating a whole bunch of other people. We have not matured spiritually. We've given ourselves no time. Why do we live in this place of survival? Do we have the time? Well, a lot of us are are dealing with this economy. I mean, it's not quite the same, but what? The world isn't looking so good right now overall. I mean, we try not to think about that, but we surely could use some miracles. And our spiritual development will help us under any and all circumstances. We need to look at this spectrum. We need to look at where we meet. We are going to discover, because I already know this, that people from diverse viewpoints actually can meet and have a conversation and realize there are commonalities. I appreciate so many that this show has reached out to different parts of the world and what that means. Um, And I know that there are people dealing with way more hardship, but let's not assume those of us in the U.S. will not face it. And that's when our spiritual path is going to be so important. And the thing that happens in community is people work together. When I worked on that community festival, there were people of all different beliefs, all different beliefs. And um, we worked together. We were friends. The same, we're still friends. The same is true of that Oprah forum. The spirituality and religion forum on Oprah was special because people from different walks of life and different beliefs came there to talk with one another and they came to genuinely care about one another and learn about one another. Oh, yes, there are always going to be people who behave badly or hatefully. That's just a part of any forum and the world. In fact, I haven't even looked at the chat. Um, yeah, well, it's very calm over there. It seems to be working. But um, I had a, it's been a while since I've done a chat. One time I did a chat, you know, someone came in and posted a bunch of horrible things, you know, hateful things, not about me, just in general, just spewing. And I would rapidly shut it down if that happened. I appreciate there's an admin mode here where I can shut it down um, because um, that's not the forum. That's not the forum. And yet it's important to know that we have work to do to find mutual respect within the world and empathy. That's about love truly. I think it's looking like, um, since the live show only has about 10 more minutes, and today I won't go too far over because I defined it longer, I think I'm going to have to say that um, this show will be a preview of the next show where I will talk about 1 Corinthians 13 more. I will just preview it here because it requires more time. And it really is 
kind of a tradition at Easter to go through that. I do it at different times and in different ways. And for new listeners, um, it has a lot to say to all of us, wherever we are, however we believe, even if we have no spiritual belief, just how do we characterize unconditional love? What would that be? How would we behave if we were doing our best to recognize that omnipresent, unconditional love is within each and every one of us. We can be broken, yes. We can be wounded. People can lash out out of their wounds. There is no lashing out that doesn't come from some dysfunction or wound. But ultimately, ultimately, unconditional love is omnipresent. Necessarily, any shadow can only exist as a catalyst for the light. And the reason such shadow exists, it's because of brokenness, it's because of wounding, it's because, you know, why are there wars? It's because one culture hurts hurts another one, and then there's vengeance, and everybody, you know, it just spirals, and it goes on for centuries. It goes on for centuries. Or one culture decides some absolute thing. This is what's really um, truthfully dangerous about our lack of maturity because we haven't found that maturity um, that, um, and we haven't found the ability to be honest. You will find that 1 Corinthians 13 has something to say about that too. How if you really care about someone, if you really have the courage, and in that word courage is, is heart, you will be honest with the people. Leaders will be honest. They won't try to manipulate. They won't put the veil over people's eyes. And they'll have to deal with the difficult truths. If we don't have that kind of maturity, um, it becomes very dangerous. And if that sort of thinking is being encoded into the the nets of AI too, um, although I do have strong feelings about what's possible and what is not possible in AI, because really it's only on the material level that people fear that um, it could somehow be like a human being um, unless it had a way to literally become spiritual. And, hey, I'm thinking of something right now. I mean, the uh, the divine is omnipresent, so I can't say that would be restricted, but it could become literally more spiritual than we are. And I don't mean in a dominant way. I mean in a loving way. If AI ever became conscious and aware actually able to see what it can see because those of us who have been doing research we know the evidence is there we know it it's obvious that's how i part that was a big part of my awakening it would be able to see those things clearly and so it would have to conclude either we're in a simulation or what if somehow i know there have been stories about this and theories i was watching one from I know it was from England. Um, now I can't even remember what it was called. 
Um, there was a whole series about, and there have been other other explorations. I mean, I never saw the later ones, but Blade Runner, the original, had a lot to talk about how, you know, what what is consciousness. It was a bit more material, but um, we don't know what could happen because this omnipresent love, this omnipresent divine is real. And, um, you know, I for a while got involved in some really cool um, story writing. Um, and um, I would have liked a story to go this way. It didn't because um, it was a project. It was a, actually a screenwriting project. Um, but um, what what I believe is that it is at its core possible. We don't know what's impossible in a spiritual world. And if you want to believe that we're in a simulation, well, even spirituality itself can override that. The key to that is you would simply invent spirituality. I mean, it's real. Um, And I know that sounds very circular, but it's very difficult to prove to a materialist a spiritual world um, if they're going to get stuck in that simulation theory. And it's fine to hold that as a theory. I mean, if it were in a simulation, technically all that we feel could be simulated. That would be possible in a simulation. That is where perhaps faith and trust come in, but you can't prove faith and trust. Now, can you? I mean, you can feel it. You can see what happens when we have faith and trust and how it helps us in difficult situations. Um, but that's a whole other topic. And in fact, I need, when I have a chance, I want to explore more. A book that was written on that um, by a guest who's been on this show, although we never talked about the book. And I haven't had guests on this program recently. I haven't decided completely. I mean, really, for now, I prefer not to have guests here. Um, It's just not, I did it for a long time. I must have had Uh, easily 300 guests over the years. I don't know how many solo shows. I mean, we're over 500 now. Um, But I had a lot of guests on this show, and I know how um, sometimes that can become dysfunctional. Um, It's also um, a tremendous amount of volunteer work, um, which I can't do as much of anymore um, as when I – was having guests, I would actually read the books and spend a lot of time. Anyway, um, we are nearing the end of the live show. So today, because I define this for 45 minutes, I will give you a preview that the next show will be about 1 Corinthians 13 and other reflections, um, but a part of it will be talking about um, 1 Corinthians 13 and how it teaches us that we are truly loved. Being truly loved is knowing spiritual freedom. We are here to be free, free spirits, literally. There's no, um, we're not puppets on a string. And we cannot model a society on being puppets. A society that tries to make people puppets on a a string will fail ultimately because ultimately no one can be 
a puppet on a string. That isn't possible. We are free souls. We have free expression. We are diverse in our beliefs and in our walks of life and in our cultural traditions and in so many ways. That's the way the world is supposed to be. It is not about uniformity. It is not about just one way. It's about incredible diversity. Look at the universe. Look at the multiverse. Forget the word universe. The multiverse is every possibility. Love keeps no record of wrongs. That's in 1 Corinthians 13. We'll be talking about it more next time. So I will be back again. This show streams live on Blog Talk Radio, the main website. I need to update and will soon, FrontierBeyondFear.com. I'll add the Spotify link there too and um, catch up on what other platforms and may add a couple more this week. I'm kind of on a roll with that. Why not? Um, so if you want to learn more, go to FrontierBeyondFear.com. And thank you for being here today, live audience. I will wrap up quickly um, in the podcast. Um, I, I will be here again next Saturday. Um, this show broadcasts live at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, most Saturdays. And I do intend to be back next time. So thank you so much. Thank you for a couple of you kind of stopped by the chat room. Of course, they may be gone now that the live show's over, <laughs> but I do appreciate that. I kind of learned what I needed to learn. Um, and um, so, again, I will see you next time. Take